0: All this nonsense, all this spin—they can't handle the truth.
1: War room, battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon.
0: Okay, welcome to the battleground. It's Monday, twenty-six September, the Year of Our Lord, twenty twenty-two. Let's go back to uh, Tiffany, Justice, Monster, Liberty. Um, we're going i want you to talk about the Pledge one more time for you take off. But this library controversy. Walk us through. I think it was a Newsweek article, also a couple of tweets. Or are Moms for Liberty trying to ban books? Or are they just trying to get rid of pornography that's in school, right? I, I think that's the controversy. They make it seem like you're trying to get rid of uh, Little House on the Prairie and The Diary of Anne Frank and, and books like that. That's not the case, though, is it, ma'am?
2: No, but that's how we know the progressive far left is losing, because they're lying and losers need to lie in order to try to win. They need to cheat. And, and so they're lying about this book issue. The truth is that our moms across the country have gotten up at school board meetings and have read from books that I couldn't show on your show right now. I couldn't even read from them. And the mics have been cut off at the school board meetings. There is obscene sexual content in a lot of these books. And the moms have worked very methodically to identify the books that were in their school libraries, to make sure that those books violated state statute or federal obscenity laws, and then to work with the district to find a a review process. Uh, for the books, and then to ultimately remove the books if they're deemed um, inappropriate to be on a, a public school library shelf. There's a limited amount of room on a public school library shelf, and I would just like to remind viewers, we curate all kinds of information in schools, including internet access. Um, it is not unfettered. People, kids can't go to any internet ac- site they want. Um, and they certainly can't have Penthouse and Hustler in public uh, school libraries. So there's this author who wrote a book called Girls Who Code. And apparently uh, there have been some districts, I guess, that Penn America, this group who says that they fight at the intersection of literature and human rights, uh, they put out this giant list. And last week, almost every major media outlet talked about this list. What we are finding out more and more every day, Steve, is the fact that a lot of the books and a lot of the things that were said on this list are untrue, and nobody checked it. So this weekend, last night, we see that this woman who wrote a book called Girls Who Code about girls getting into STEM uh, and engineering, science, technology, um, she said that a York County, Pennsylvania chapter of Moms for Liberty had pushed to have her book removed. That was a lie, a complete lie. And so this morning we reached out to our chapter chair in York County. She's a brave, awesome mom. And within 30 minutes, we fact-checked this claim. And we had a statement from the school district that said that in fact, these books were on the library shelves. So apparently when your book sales are low, you need to create a scandal in order to increase book sales. I'm not sure who to be more disappointed in, Uh, whether it's the author who turned this into some attack on women, while attacking an organization that it was founded by and supports women, uh, or the media, who apparently can't even be bothered to call a school district and fact check information that they're being fed. Um, you know, I think they think defenseless moms are an easy scapegoat, honestly. And what they don't understand is that, is this is exactly why moms flock to us in the first place? Because eventually, when the media or some opportunist turns on them, we will be standing beside them 100,000 members strong. We won't be your scapegoat, Pan America, or liars from the liberal left. We will tell the uncomfortable truth. Uh, and the truth is right now, you can't trust the media. So at Moms for Liberty, we stand for truth. And if you ever have any questions about the work our moms do, I reach out, I say reach out to me and I'll, I'll fact check it for you.
0: Uh, Tiffany, how do people get to Moms for Liberty in particular? I know your site, you've got uh this thing about the girls who code and and all this fiasco that happened over the weekend of the truth. How do people get there?
2: Go to momsforliberty.org. There's a big map there. You can click to start a chapter or you can uh, join a chapter near you. And I just say to Newsweek and all the other media outlets do better. Um, American parents are reclaiming public education. We're not going anywhere in this fight. Um, Just as in Italy and across the country, you see the people are taking their countries back and that's going to happen here in America. And so um, start writing the truth, start reporting the truth. The people want
0: it. Tiffany, thank you very much for joining us. Can we play the cold open now about Chattanooga? And I want to bring in Peter DeBrasco from the Tennessee Star and then Robbie uh, Starbuck and uh, his wife Landon. Can we go ahead and play that? Of the Walls? I got 20, but who cares? people to comprehend what's even going on here. So I want to bring in Peter DeBrasco from the Tennessee star. Who's got a new article up about this on Michael Patrick Leahy's great sites, the star news sites. And I want to bring in Robbie and Landon in a second. Peter, uh, what is going on in Tennessee, sir?
3: Uh, Steve, thanks for having me look the owners of Wanderling Brewing in Chattanooga where that event was held would like to know that would like you to know that as much as you might be outraged about what you saw in that video, they are, in fact, more outraged that the video was taken in the first place. Uh, so I talked to the co-owner of the brewery today about this event specifically, and he said, and this is a quote, uh, the video was, quote, a targeted attack against our business and more specifically, uh, the LGBTQ community, uh, as seen with similar events targeted at Texas Tech, Memphis, calling for action for more. Um the the statement was it was unbelievable it's it's defiant uh and then you know he continued to to just explain it away as though uh this is no big deal he says uh the girl touching the sequins uh is a kid fascinating with something something shiny not doing anything inappropriate to anyone uh, as you us we seem to be highlighting uh, and then he goes on and says, well, the, you know, the, the woman in the sequence was actually a backup dancer and she's a, she's a biological female. So, you know, the, the child touching her crotch, no big deal. He says, absolutely. It's astounding. H-
0: hang on one second. Let me kind of get Robbie and, and Landon and can of bring in Robbie Starbuck. Just hang on for Peter. Robbie, I think you put it up on your Twitter account or your getter account right away. Landon, thank you guys very much. Landon obviously is one, an expert, uh, in uh, in child trafficking and, and sexual trafficking. Uh, Robbie ran for Congress out in Tennessee, has been a, a big uh, MAGA, uh, one of the influencers of MAGA from day one. Uh, so Robbie, maybe I turn to Landon, just explain to the audience, particularly our podcast and radio audience that can't watch, is not seeing on TV or streaming, exactly what went on and, and why people are so shocked about this.
4: Yeah, so I mean, To give you sort of the the very clear, easy view to visualize what's going on here, you've got adults. Um, One of them is letting a child rub their crotch um, and not redirecting them. That's what I think any other adult would do if a child reaches towards your private parts is you would nicely redirect them towards something else. And then in another part of the video, you see an adult spread their legs and show their underwear to a child, and to a whole room of children rather, And then throughout the video, you see a lot of the kids who were there, they seem to be frightened, honestly, when they're approached by these dancers, whether they be drag queens or or biological females. Honestly, it doesn't matter to us. That was from the very beginning. I was like, I don't know what their sexual orientation is, what their background is. We know that this is marketed as a youth pride event and that this is, uh, you know, people were told there was drag and there was a drag performer there. I don't know who's who, but I do know it's inappropriate. And I think anybody watching that knows adults forever have known it's not appropriate to spread your legs and show your underwear to children. In fact, if you went down the street and some guy was doing it to cars, people would call the police and he'd be arrested and rightfully so. So, you know, I I do want to speak to the comment the owner of that brewery made um, about it being a targeted attack against his business. I didn't know anything about his business. I know nothing about his business. I've never had the the beer. I don't drink beer. I, I don't care to go target anybody's business. We're targeting getting The children in Tennessee to a place where it is safe to be a child here, and you're not going to be subjected to sexualization.
0: So, just maybe, Landon, you jump in. Here's where I think is this under attack in all of Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee is one of the hearts of MAGA, and and when this first came out, people said this was in Chattanooga. I think people were pretty stunned. Is is this widespread? Are these events widespread? And are parents bringing their children to these events? Landon?
5: Absolutely, well, this is national. This is happening all over and it's a coordinated thing that's happening, but they're really specifically targeting red states, um, conservative areas, rural areas, and my nonprofit, Freedom Forever, we've been documenting this because we've known about this alarming theme of children being subjected to sexually inappropriate content, um, enticement, things of that nature that have happened all over America. So we've been watching it. And sadly, the majority of these shows are inappropriate where an adult is at least at one point or another flashing a child spreading their legs in front of a child it's not hard to not be a groomer it's not hard to not expose yourself to a child and that theme that is being accepted now we have two issues one we have laws in the books they're just not being enforced and if they're inadequate or they're not being enforced we have to get to the bottom of what that is and be transparent with the public in tennessee about what those lines are
0: so this is what I understand, given what it looked like, the little and she looked like she was four years old or five years old. If you're if you're on our podcast, she looked adorable, touching the individual um, it is why is the police not involved in that? Why, why are the authorities not called or why when you show that video, Robbie, people are not like going to the venue, talking to the owner, but more specifically getting the performer that was there and the parents of the little girl. And I don't know, it seems, like, it seems like some law was broken. I don't know if little children are allowed to go uh, touch people that entice them in a, uh, in a public venue. It's, it's almost like mind boggling what's going on. So explain to me why the authorities have not stepped in here.
4: Steve, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I've gotta be honest. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I've been asking this question over and over and over again. And I did some interviews with local media outlets where I continually kept being asked What exactly do you think is objectionable or wrong about what happened there? And I just, again, feel like I'm taking crazy pills. This is something that for the totality of my life and for human existence, we've understood, at least since we've been civilized people, that you don't allow children to do these things. You don't sexualize children. And the fact that these lines have been blurred to the point where people are seriously having a debate about whether it's appropriate to spread your legs and show your underwear to kids shows just how far gone we all are. This is no longer just, hey, this is a drag issue, this is a Chattanooga issue, this is a Tennessee issue, because yes, we have these all over Tennessee right now. It's like it's been coordinated, honestly. This is all over the US. This is a fight for the soul of humanity, because when you look at history, no nation goes and sexualizes children and then survives or thrives, they fall. Nations fall over issues like this. We have to have the moral clarity to stand up and say, you know what, I don't care if I lose a job, I don't care if I lose friends, I'm going to stand up for the right thing. And the right thing here is very clear, this should not be allowed. So I reached out to police, police said verbatim, there is nothing we can do. That's not acceptable in my book. I sent two different, uh, cited two different parts of Tennessee code to different lawmakers and to members of the community and also the mayor, the county mayor, the DA's office, everybody basically in charge with the position to be able to do something and have gotten almost no response from these people. But there are sections of the code where it seems that this would violate things at least civilly, but on a criminal end, this is why Landon and I are introducing the idea for a bill called the Childhood Protection and Restoration Act. We put it out last week and we gave an outline to lawmakers in the state of all these areas in one bill where we could solve the Vanderbilt situation. You know, that's a story Landon broke three months ago about Vanderbilt doing pediatric gender clinic um, activities where they're giving hormones to kids and surgical procedures and things along those lines. It would get rid of this issue here with drag shows in front of kids. It would deal with pornography in the schools. It would deal with giving the harshest sentencing for uh, child traffickers. And people who abuse children—that there is in the country—we want to set a standard. This would deal with social media companies and require Twitter and Instagram and TikTok to put up a health warning when it's downloaded, and people allow their kids to have it. That would tell them kids have been trafficked off this site. They have had a number of different, you know, issues with um, revenge porn and things along those lines. All of those issues would be covered by this bill. And so we've asked people to have. Their family reach out to their reps and ask them to get something on the books because we need this clearly in law and set a standard for the country so that we can start getting accountability.
0: Hang on. You've actually gone to authorities with this video and people are coming back and say there's no violations here or just not getting back to you.
4: So the police got back to me and they said the sergeant said there is nothing we can do. Hang
0: on one second. Let me bring in a Pe- let me bring in Peter from Tennessee Star. Peter, is this going all over the state? Uh, is it to elicit a response from MAGA in the run up to elections? Is this in red states? Because we had this event or this incident in Katy, Texas, that we covered on Friday and Saturday at the First Christian Church in Katy. Is this being done in a coordinated way so as to elicit a violent response? from people who see this and just have a tough time handling the abuse of the children, sir.
3: That's a great question, Steve. And that's something that the star is, is going to be looking into over the next few days. I think Landon touched on that. Uh, I believe that it's coordinated. There has to be something going on behind the scenes. We had an event like this in Memphis on Friday night at the Memphis museum of science and history of all places. Uh, That event ended up being canceled by the venue because protesters, good patriotic Americans, uh, ended up outside of, of the protest, and, or outside of the building, excuse me. And I think that the drag queens didn't feel comfortable proceeding or, or the event venue didn't feel comfortable proceeding. So the event got canceled, and you could see in a viral video. Oh, hold drag- on, hang
0: on, hang on. Ho, ho, ho. You're, hang on. You're telling me the Memphis Science Museum was going to be a venue that put this on and advertised it, and this, uh, something like this was going to take place at a science museum?
3: Yes, sir. That's correct. And the Science Museum had uh, a long litany of events all summer highlighting uh, LGBT issues. I'm not sure exactly what it has to do with science, uh, but that is what what is going on or what was going on at that museum. Uh, And just just one more point I'd like to make, Steve, if you don't mind, uh, because, you know, you just discussed the legality of all of this. Um, The owner of the brewery that hosted this event also would like us to know. Uh, that he thinks that we might have done something illegal uh, in the filming of this event he said this is a quote i would question if these people have any legal right to video and disperse images of these children without legal consent making this part of their agenda to ruin our business and the community they disapprove of so in other words filming an event that was open to the public that they invited the they invited the entire public to should be illegal, according to them, because uh, it makes the left look bad because they're embarrassed because they know what they 're doing is wrong, and so therefore it, it should be illegal for us to document sure it. totally unbelievable
0: oh they're going to come back with law for How, how do people follow this on the Tennessee Star and you're reporting on this because this is going to be i dare say a big story.
3: Yeah. So head over to the dot com and TN star on Twitter. Follow us there. Uh, You can follow me at P debrasca D A B R O S C A on Twitter. Also.
0: Okay. Let me go back. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. And Michael Patrick Leahy, everything you guys do at the star news network, uh, one of our partners. Uh, I want to go back to, uh, to Robbie and to Landon. Uh, I want to talk about the bill in a second, but Robbie, because you're a fighter. <laughs> Robbie Starbuck doesn't back down. I'm kind of shocked that local authorities are just telling you there's nothing we can do. What what, what is what is Robbie Starbuck going to do? What what's the next thing you're going to do to get to the bottom of this because I know you're not someone that quits.
4: Oh, we're going to get a law passed. I mean, that's there, no question there. We are going to make sure that Tennessee is not a safe space for the left to be able to go and sexualize children, period, on all these fronts. It's not going to happen. You know, something Pete just said that should clear this whole thing up is if you're doing nothing wrong, why are you so worried about people videoing and documenting it? Why are you worried about that? Because you know it's wrong. You know what you're doing crosses lines. That's very clear. I mean, nobody's worried about having you know, a happy show that's totally appropriate for children being filmed. They'd be like, hey, that's great advertisement for our business. Obviously, if you're worried it's going to damage your business, it's because you know that there's something wrong with what's going on. I mean, it just, again, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So it's very clear there's an issue here. If people want to support what we're doing to expose this, they can support Landon's nonprofit, FreedomForever.us, um, because this has got to stop. But we're, we're going to fight every step of the way to make sure that this gets stopped. And everybody who can help us along the way, we're happy to have their help.
0: Landon, where, where do people go again? And, and to get the uh, also the details and the great story you broke about Vanderbilt, which basically lied to people, where do they go?
5: Absolutely. Well, you can follow me on social media, Landon Starbuck. You can go to um, my nonprofit, freedomforever.us. Um, and I, if I can make just one little quick point is what children are sure. learning when they watch this, when they are watching Anybody take off their clothes or dance sexually, the nature of drag is adult performance. It's not comparable to anything else other than adult performances. What children see is the moment somebody takes off their clothing or does something sexual, the audience roars. They applaud and they give money. What message is that sending to children watching? This is sexual grooming because you are exchanging money for sexual performances and removing clothes, obscene actions. That's it.
0: Landon, thank you and Robbie very much, and I think people are glad to know that you're on point on this thing. So thank you very much, Landon right. and Robbie Starbuck. Two two fighters. Uh, I want to go now to Ryan Williams of Claremont. Ryan, a very disturbing story uh, you wrote about the military's children. Walk me through this. What are they being on the on bases where the schools are for active duty servicemen? What's going on about their education or in reading your uh, story, I guess their indoctrination. Can you walk the audience through what's happening today on taxpayer money, sir?
6: Sure. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, we we got ourselves uh, through a whistleblower over 50 videos from this equity and access summit that the Department of Defense Education uh, put on the DODEA, as it's called. So they run the education on all of our military bases. It's about 70,000 students. Uh, across the globe, most of the videos we had were from teachers uh, and administrators at schools on military bases in Spain, Italy, uh, the UK, and uh, and those types, and Germany as well. Um, but uh, it it reflects a shift that DoDA uh, that occurred a few years ago to focus more on diversity, equity, and inclusion—a phrase I know your listeners know well, uh, one that you cover a lot—and what came with it is what come has come at all of our k-12 through 12 schools or a lot of them in the country filtering down from the education grad schools uh, for 30 years now which is this toxic combination of gender ideology uh, some of the themes that were that you've been discussing in these recent segments gender ideology telling encouraging children to uh, um, keep secrets with their teachers maybe if they're not comfortable speaking at home about their sexuality or gender identity uh, at ages as young as four one of the presenters said would be the I- ideal time to start because that's when kids have this identity uh, and then the the other side of it too which is the racialized uh, anti quote-unquote anti-racism curriculum which the left says just teaches the history of slavery but we all know better uh, it's really about teaching uh, dividing students by skin color calling certain classes of them that is the, the white children uh, sort of implying that their ancestors were oppressors and and that the, they're descended from them and telling the, the children of color, uh, so to speak, that they, they were oppressed and have been oppressed. And that's, that's the history of, the, of America and the history of the West. So this toxic combination of anti-racism and, and, uh, and gender ideology is now being taught on our military bases to our K-12 schools for service members.
0: So let me get this right. A service member that lives on base— and, uh, and and lives in base housing and deploys all the time in defense of his country, his or her country. Their children are at the schools run by DOD, I guess, and they're yeah. being taught this curriculum. And so, so the warriors that are deploying, kids are being poisoned uh, while they're on deployment. Is that is that what we're to take from this presentation?
6: That's right. So uh, so, so goes all of our K through twelve system. Uh this is now spread to military schools or to schools on military bases and you know if you're a state department kid a foreign service kid uh, you've got more options but if you're on base uh, often really most of the time the only educational option uh, for your kids is that school and it's run not exclusively but it, it has these type of educators there who think that one of the most a couple of the most important things to teach young children as young as kindergarten and then going forward is this uh, this toxic combination of uh, uh, anti-racism and, and gender ideology?
0: You, you may think for a second this may be one of the problems we have with recruit recruitment and retention. I mean, yeah, why <laughs> why are people going to stay in if this is going? Yeah, no, you know the Claremont's at the cutting edge of so much of this. Walk our audience through on this topic and others how you guys are not just identifying the problem, how you're trying to come up with solutions.
6: Yeah, well, we, um, about a year ago, we decided, you know, we'd always been in the scholar scholarship business, the teaching business, uh, and the writing business. But we decided about a year ago, year and a half ago, that we need to get more involved in the political fight and policy fight. Uh, so we started the Center for the American Way of Life in Washington, DC, and it's led by my colleague, Arthur Millick, uh, and we decided, you know, we weren't gonna focus on the 18 different areas of policy that the federal government does. We wanted to focus on the four or five that we think we thought were real threats to the survival of America. So identity politics is one, the problem of China, threat of China is another. Big tech putting its thumb on the scales of public deliberation is another. The immigration issue, which we've always talked about at Claremont uh, as we were founded out here in Southern California. Uh, So we wanted to focus uh, like a laser on those few things where we thought some lawmakers' hearts were in the right place, but they needed help understanding the uh, ideological uh, sort of battle space And so we wanted to uh, marry what we'd always done, which is the history of ideas and how they influence America uh, and ideology, and then also to offer some policy solutions. And we're doing more of it in DC, and then we're doing a lot of work in the States, actually. My colleague, Scott Yenner, who co-authored this report, which this article that you had was based on, uh, he's been doing a lot of state-based reports in in Tennessee, uh, to to get back to the topic from your previous segment, uh, in Idaho, uh, in Maine, uh, we're working on stuff in Florida and California uh, and higher ed more generally. So we're, the K through 12 and, and higher ed education question is is at the heart of a lot of these ideological battles, as you know. So that's uh, one of our big areas could, of focus. Could,
0: could you just hang through the just hang through the uh, sure. commercial break? I want to come back and ask uh, about the targeting of red states because it seems like something's quite odd here. Ryan Williams, yeah. head of Claremont. We're gonna take a short commercial break. He'll join us on the other side. Okay, welcome back. I, I know we're, we're hitting a, uh, a sore spot. Uh, Fetterman's wife and Federman's running for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania and also the great Ron Filipowski, a former Marine who follows us closely on Twitter. He, let's say he's not a fan, but he follows us closely. Both tweeted out the last or the segment with Tiffany uh, Justice, Fetterman's wife, saying, Moms for Liberty is anti-woman and girls in STEM. Make it make sense. It's only ever about one thing control." So we sent it to Tiffany to uh, for comment. I want to go back to Ryan Williams. Ryan, would Scott say that um, I think what Robbie and, and Pete DeBrasco from Tennessee Star said earlier in the show, it looks like red states. I noticed this situation in Katy, Texas the other day. Got these things in Chattanooga, headed in Memphis. Are, are red states being targeted in some sort of coordinated attack to try to elicit some either violent response or some response they can get on tape and say, here's how horrible MAGA is. MAGA's Cro-Magnum, sir
6: yeah I don't know how coordinated it is. I mean, uh, one of our old uh, professor mentors out here, Bill Rood, uh, he who's talking about international relations, but his saying was a good one, which is nothing happens for no good reason. So I would suspect there's a decent amount of coordination as we know the left is better at that sort of thing than us. so i I wouldn't be surprised at all if there were a constellation of foundations and or uh, NGOs kind of helping to orchestrate a lot of this because. I think they definitely believe that uh, the red states are a problem. You've seen this rhetoric start to crop up around election stuff, as you know, uh, but around a lot of other stuff. I mean, the rhetoric from the left is now, well, maybe states have too much autonomy. uh, And their their real complaint is that red states have too much autonomy and uh, have the tools to resist the trends of modern leftism, which they think ought to rule everywhere.
0: Look, I, I sent your article to a number of uh, my buddies who are veterans, and also they have children that are active duty, and I, I don't think I've gotten a response of people that are more outraged about this the school situation, since, like you said, a lot of it is enlisted people who don't really have choices, but that have to have their ch- their kids schooled on base. What yeah. can people do about this? W- what's your recommendation? Call a congressman, call somebody on the Armed Services Committee, because people are really worked up about this.
6: Yeah, I, we encourage people at the end of our report to uh, let their congressman know uh, that they feel strongly about this and ask them to look into it. Um, the uh, the the National Defense Authorization Act passed the House already, so it's in front of the Senate. So their senator might be a better one to call. Uh, and just to encourage oversight of this, uh, Marsha, Senator Blackburn has been on top of this and is very interested in it. I know Senator Cotton is very interested in it as well. So Uh, Congress ought to get involved with its power over the purse in funding DOD to uh, ask some tough questions and get some real answers about what exactly is being taught on the schools on military bases.
0: Ryan, you're doing a great job at Claremont. How do people follow you on social media and how do they get to to Claremont to find out more about the institution?
6: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Um, They can go. uh, Our DC center is dc.claremont.org. The mothership is just claremont.org. And then I encourage people to check out our publications, uh, our longstanding print publication, ClaremontReviewOfBooks.com, and then AmericanMind.org. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Williams and then the general Twitter account uh, at ClaremontInst, I-N-S-T. So uh, go check out all our stuff, and thanks.
0: Okay, let's get that up everywhere in the chats. Ryan, thanks a lot for taking time away. Appreciate it.
6: My pleasure. Thanks, Steve.
0: Clarice Schlillinger, uh, Back to School USA. Ma'am, how many school boards, your action, 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 how many, Clarice, how many school boards has your institution flipped?
7: Yeah, so right now we've flipped over 130. Um, We've invested in around 300 races. So those numbers might be a lot lot bigger after the midterms, but you're exactly right. I am all about action, Uh, I'm tired of watching my fellow parents, um, us constantly going to school board meetings, screaming and being muted. You know, mics ripped out of our hands. We're we're talking about this over-sexualization of our children, critical race, DEI, whatever you want to call it. We have a real problem, obviously, in our uh, world of academia. So I said, enough. Um, I've been in politics most of my life started a political action committee. Uh, Now it is a super PAC that we go across the country and invest and flip school boards. And why I really decided to do this is the Teachers Union, the George Services of the world, they've been doing this for decades long, starting at the local level. But the Republicans or the conservatives or libertarians, we don't really have any way Uh, To show our support for education, we just don't want to be told what to do by unelected bureaucrats, right? And and do what's best for our children. And it's been a tremendous success. I've raised well over $1.5 million. We're going to keep on keeping on and dumping that money straight back in to these critical elections.
0: What, what, what what advice would you give to the audience members out there about thinking about running for a school board and approaching you guys for help? What are you looking for? Is it specific school boards? Is it ones you think one or two members can flip it? And what type of profile should, should a parent have? Should be, should it be a mom? Can it be a dad? Uh, How much time do they have to put in? I mean, what, what, what guidance can you give? We have an audience that wants to be active and wants to be involved. Can you give me some pointers here for what, what someone like you would be looking for?
7: Sure, I would love to. Um, And I think that it's important to note, I am running for my own school board in Pennsylvania because it's not beneath me. Uh, you know, we have to get out and get involved, engaged, regular moms and dads, grandparents, caregivers, taxpayers, frankly. A lot of people don't understand how much power the school board actually has over taxes, over whether or not. Uh, charter schools or other schools come to the area, the final vote actually does majority of the time go through the school board. So when a lot of people say that, well, we can't have school choice or voucher system programs because we don't have any other schools to choose from, I challenge everyone to ask their school board directors how many schools they've approved to come to the area to start some competition. The number will likely be zero. I will say with us, we don't really look at winnability. Uh, You know, our rate is about 60% of candidates that we support, they do win, which is 50 plus one in politics is always good, but it's very important for us to invest, send mailers, send text messages, provide trainings, do whatever we need to do to get these regular moms, dads, taxpayers on our school boards. So, looking at winability is not really a thing. Just knowing that putting our children and their education first is an absolute priority. Steve, you you've heard, you know, just today I've listened to some of your guests and how critically important it is. Our children right now are not going to be set up for the next step. They're not going to be set up to go to the trades or military or college because we have administrators, board members, that are shoving down these woke radical agendas. And I've seen a lot of reasons why that is. The left and the Democrats use school boards and local offices like this as a launching pad. Let me give you an example. The Lieutenant Governor that's running against DeSantis in Florida is the president of the Miami Teachers Union. We have to stop it at the lowest le- of, of levels. And that's where we've really found so much success. Moms and dads saying, wait, you'll help me with $5,000 to send out a mailer. I don't have to fundraise in addition to campaign. Okay, I'll do that. And being on the school board takes about 10 to 15 hours a month um, to, you know, to look through the policy, know what you're voting on. And I think that All of us in the state of our nation right now can find some kind of 15 hours in our time to make sure that our children, the most vulnerable of our communities, are taken care of.
0: How do people uh, get to your site to find out more, find out if this is for them, and uh, to find out how you can support them? Because I know, I said back in April 21, and this was about CRT and the mask and the vaccines that the... Taking, the, the moms taking over the school boards was the key that picked the lock, not just in 2022, but in politics going forward, because this is going to be real populism. Um, so how do people, and you've been in politics a long time, you can see it. I mean, these are and people should know these are tough races. I mean, they get personal, they get nasty, because they know that the control of the schools is everything. If, if the parental rights movement wants to basically square away the schools, you got to take over the school boards. So how do they get to your site? How do they find out more about you and more about your organization?
7: Sure. So it's backtoschoolusa.org. If you cannot run for school board, I do ask that you consider contributing twenty, fifty dollars. It really, it really adds up and makes a huge difference for these candidates. But you can also get a hold of me there as well. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and you know, all those, all those social media outlets. I am A real person, I'll write you back. We'll see how we can help you. uh, And let's go win. I mean, that's really, you know, getting the word out and flipping 130 school boards across the nation. We, you know, next time I'm on, I hope that I can tell you that we've now flipped three, 400 because it really does make a difference, Steve. When I talk to these parents that we've flipped their school boards, they come back to me and say, oh my gosh, it's a world of difference. You know what our school board just did? They passed a two flag policy, the state flag and the American flag. That's the only flags that hang in the schools. Things like that that are such common sense. We've got to get back to that reading, yeah. writing and arithmetic.
0: Clarice, thank you so much for coming on. I want everybody to go hit the site, find out more. we got to take these school boards back. There's a couple of organizations really doing it. You got to take a look at each one because you guys are warriors, and we must get this done. It's not a there is no substitute for victory when it comes to the school boards. Clarice, thank you so much for joining us.
7: Thank you so much.
0: Okay, they say you know all this analysis, and we're going to have some uh, really great polling data tomorrow morning to talk to you because it's all about November eighth. The one thing we know in intensity is that the people that think the twenty twenty elections were stolen are the most intense. Voters right now who want to ma- and set things right, uh, and you haven't heard really the story of Delaware County, Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We know Pennsylvania was stolen. Uh, the two authors, Greg stentrum a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, and Leah Hoops, who we've had on the show many times, including from Gettysburg on the very first conference or hearing that took place with Doug Mastriano back, I think, in November of 2020. Uh, the book is called "The Parallel Election," but it's kind of shocking. So, Greg, we had some tech problems with you the other day, I'd like to start off with you over the tech problems are solved. Just walk through, just in a couple of minutes, what's the theory of the case? What's your guys' uh, theory of what happened and what's your evidence to back it up that the election was stolen in Delaware County, uh, Pennsylvania in November of 2020, sir?
1: Well, Steve, it's not a theory. Uh, Lee and I have the last two surviving lawsuits that irrefutably prove Massive election fraud and the fraudulent certification of 327,000 votes in Delaware County, PA. Uh, we can prove that 120,000 fake mail-in ballots were run through the system and uh, invested into the vote. We can prove that 50 to 70,000 unopened real mail-in ballots were in sequestered back rooms in a locked uh, storage room that we had to fight our way in and we saw um, they used 47, quote-unquote, missing V-drives to use 50,000 votes that they needed to change the outcome of the election. They falsely certified Delaware County uh, the vote just moments before the state certification. And uh, President Trump was still ahead at that point, And they delivered the 80,000 votes almost uh, uh, by themselves to uh, get Biden uh, in and, uh, and Shapiro as well, Pennsylvania Attorney General. Uh, so the question here is not um, whether 81 million people voted for Biden. It's that 81 million votes were cast for Biden. And we can prove that that's not the case. And we wrote a book about it after uh, going through the two lawsuits. And
0: in, in this book is the parallel election, correct? And people can get that on Amazon. Where else can they get it besides Amazon?
1: Uh, they can get it at... Uh, parallel election.com www.parallelelection.com amazon barnes and noble books a million um pretty much uh, most most online outlets uh, okay. you can get book
0: so l- let me ask you when you say they you keep using the word they and about these about evidence who is they and when you say you have evidence what do you do you have Three hundred twenty-seven thousand ballots i mean What's the physical evidence you have? What evidence do you have? And who is they? Who actually, in your mind, stole this?
1: Well, in the book, we call them the Unipod. And there were elements, of course, of the DNC, uh, the corporate bodies of the DNC and the corporate bodies of the GOP. And it's not all of the GOP. It's specific elements and corporate bodies of the GOP. Uh, They don't necessarily represent Republicans. They don't necessarily represent Democrats, They represent themselves, and this is a problem for all citizens, whether they're Democrat or Republican. So what we call them in the book is the Uniparty. We identify them by name, uh, who they are, their origins and so forth. And uh, what we focus most on the book is the evidence. And you asked about the evidence. So there's four bullet points for the mail-in ballots that we can prove. The first is we have affidavits from multiple witnesses. Uh, myself, Leah Hoops, Joe Driscoll, other people that are named in the book and the lawsuits that we pressed, um, we have affidavits that swore to these. They were also included in the uh, Texas uh, versus Pennsylvania by Attorney General Paxton. They were included dismissed from the Supreme Court. So first thing is we saw it firsthand, ground level uh, approach. The second thing we have that's huge is the admission by the defendant's own attorneys that there were thousands of unopened mail-in ballots and sequestered back offices and the locked room. They admit to it in one of their responses because they inadvertently included photos in a response in their rush to uh, show that they comply complied with the judge's order, uh, setting up pens. They inadvertently and stupidly included uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of unopened ballots uh, in the pictures that were taken after the election. And they admit to this in their filing, but they said, well, it's inadmissible because we should back there. The biggest thing is nothing reconciles. And this is something they find in the whole country. What we did is when we went back to the return sheets and we looked at the paper tapes or the machines and all of the pieces of, uh, uh, of election materials that have to be put together to certify a vote, nothing matches. And it doesn't match by tens of thousands of votes. 220 counties, uh, 220 precincts of 428 in Delaware County can't be reconciled at all. Uh, they're a mess. So, you know, they, they were saying that they did these risk-limiting audits. If you only missed one or two. Uh, that, all they were doing there was recounting ballots. Uh, that's just a machine function. That's not an actual audit. I, I, you're right.
0: I, I, I want to make sure we get this in the time frame. How then, if that's all fact, who actually certified this and who signed Because the whole thing, this is what the president pro tem of your Commonwealth Senate sent to McConnell. They needed they needed the Biden electors uh, not certified to come back to the state legislature because they had issues with certification. Who in Delaware County's signature is on the certification? Who's who certified that election by name? Who signed it?
1: The Board of Elections chair, Gerald Lawrence, who was not only he was a Biden elector. So not only was the chairman of the board of elections, but he was also a Biden elector and he's a a liar and corrupt and we can prove it. And he's since resigned. Uh, He signed it. And then uh, two other people signed it. Uh, uh, Paul Byrne, who was the uh, Republican, uh, the sole Republican on the board and uh, Ashley Luckenheimer. And uh, she is a. uh, So a a
0: Republican. So a, a Republican did sign the certification.
1: Reluctantly. I talked to him the night before. He, he, he really fought. Uh, I think he fought pretty hard during the hearings for the certification, brought up all the missing B drives, uh, the emails, the ballots, uh, the evidence that we had. He brought them up. And Lawrence, uh, this is where he just lied uh, continuously and just yeah. brushed the aside. They, they certified that. Uh,
0: have you been, is anybody in the book that you name, have you been sued by any of these people?
1: Yes, we were sued by Jim Savage, who was the voting machine warehouse supervisor. He was the former uh, president of the Philadelphia Steelworkers, and uh, he's since resigned as well. He came in, showed up, threw the vote, stole, helped steal the vote, and now he's uh, back in D.C. as a lobbyist. Actually, the, the last sighting we had of him was leading a protest in front of Scopes' house.
0: But but, but, but he's, but he's suing, is he suing you currently, or did he drop his suit?
1: No, he's still suing President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, Leah Hoops, and myself. They dropped Phil Klein and Project Amistad from the lawsuit, but we're still there. The judge uh, recused himself, the second judge yeah. in the case recused himself this, just, uh, uh, just this Friday. Yeah, just, uh, no, it wasn't Friday, okay. last Le,
0: Le, Leah, we've run out of time, but we're going to have you guys back on tomorrow if we can clear your schedules because this thing is so disturbing. Just real quickly, I just want to reiterate. Is the Bill McSwain letter that Bill McSwain his U.S. attorney sent to President Trump or se- about there was discrepancies, is it somehow no. or part of it related to Delaware County?
2: It was was direct... absolutely, absolutely. It was related to Delaware County, and it is uh, mentioned in uh, the Gateway Pundit. So they talk about 47 missing USB drives. Bill Barr brings it up, and Bill McSwain flat out and stands by his story that he gave this information. And he was told to stand down. So, yes, it okay. is directly related to us. Yeah.
0: OK, with we're, we're this so much here, I've got to have you guys back on tomorrow night. I, I appreciate you guys coming on. The book is The Parallel Election. Your head will blow up. It's on Amazon. Leah, Greg, thank you very much. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, we'll start with polling data about how we're actually going to win on the 8th of November and where we're going to win. See you tomorrow morning
5: in the war room.